Hello and welcome to Center for Victory's podcast of your best day yet. Here at Center for Victory, we are here to help unlock, reinforce, and enrich relationships through personal and professional development. I once again am Eric Guy, Chief Victory Officer. I'm excited, really excited uh, to have again um, Mr. Paul Fariga with me. Great friend. I'm just going to say that up front. I mean, we've yes. been friends for years uh years over a decade yeah um probably closer to 15 years paul and some of the stuff that we'll be talking about today uh you've done for me you've done for our company and i can attest firsthand that it works and i was looking i was telling paul before we jumped on here that even going back through my notes and things like that just picking up little snippets here and there i'm going to try to keep it short paul but you know i get excited about this because You've helped us uh, quite a bit with our own story and and try to unlock and unlocking a lot of that stuff for me. But before we get too too far ahead of ourselves here, I did want to to recognize that uh, last time you didn't have this that you were on, but this time you do. You promised that it's it's your it's your book, finding your capital S story, why your story drives your brand. Yeah. Okay. Got copies all over the place, don't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, as well as you should. It, it's extremely helpful. And again, it helped us tremendously. And stories play a significant part in how we do business. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it out of the personal stuff today, but that, that, you know, that I believe I'm a big believer in that too. And you've helped us with Absolutely. that. But um, one of the things that, that you really helped uncover for us and really hammered down on is actually in the book, Paul. It's one of your, your first chapters. And it's about the the biology of storytelling, right? It's, you know, storytelling isn't bullcrap, it's biology. And one of the things that um, was in that chapter that I like, well, I liked a lot in that chapter, but the story of Will It Blend? Yes. Right? So can you just walk us through why storytelling is so important to a human being? Oh, absolutely. And we'll get into a lot of the biology. Let's let's share the Blendtec story first. So Blendtec is a company in Orem, Utah. They've since been purchased by a much larger conglomerate. But the time our story begins, it's an independent company. And again, Utah, which is, you know, not New York or Los Angeles or Chicago. And they've hired their first marketing director. And one day the marketing director is walking down the hall and he goes past the research lab and he hears the sound. It's the most terrible grinding noise you could possibly imagine. And so he pokes his head into the lab and what does he see but the CEO of the company, who's kind of this inventor dude. And you know, he's got gray hair all over the place and he's got safety glasses on and a white lab coat. And he's grinding a mobile phone or something inside one of the company's blenders. And at the time, Blendtec was best known for making industrial strength blenders. So the marketing director goes in, talks to the CEO and says, what the hell are you doing? And the CEO basically says, this is how we prove that our blenders are the best because you can put anything in a Blendtec blender and ask the question, will it blend? And the answer is yes. Opportunity, you know, luck, 
inspiration, bingo, and the marketing director has this idea. This is a few years ago in the very early years of YouTube. And he decides that one of his first marketing campaigns is gonna be taking this crazy scientist looking guy who's the CEO and do a whole bunch of YouTube videos with him, grinding things in the blender. Oh my God, people just ate that stuff up. Mm -hmm. Now here's the thing, this is a story that if it weren't for the visual aspect, it wouldn't have the same power. There's the crazy scientist looking CEO. There's this industrial strength blender, right? And he's throwing all kinds of stuff in there. Most recently, uh, one of the videos he did, some of uh, the folks who are with us today might be familiar with the Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. And he uh, ground up a stormtrooper. You know, <laughs> and he had some funny line about it. You know, can you kill a stormtrooper in the Mandalorian? I don't know, but will it blend? Yes, it will. So that's the, kind of the basic premise. Because this was done uh, a few years ago, we have a couple of data points that demonstrate just how successful this kind of storytelling is. Number one, the sales of the company's blenders exploded. And number two, as I said a few minutes ago, the company became so successful that it was later acquired by a much larger company. And number three, they are still doing the videos because people love them. It's great storytelling. Yeah, what, what is it about that kind of, of thing, which is the, the storytelling piece of it, that, that draws us in? Storytelling is, is biological. And this is something that I talk about in this chapter of the, of the book that we're discussing today, that we really didn't know until recent years with the availability of technologies such as uh, functional magnetic resonance imaging machines, we're now able to see what's happening in our brains while we are consuming a story. And what scientists have discovered is, as I said in the book, that storytelling is not BS, it's not foo-foo, it's just something you do to put your kids to bed at night when they're young. It is the way that we learn and remember things. And for those of us who are with us today, the most important thing to know is there's a unique, compelling and memorable story that is uniquely yours that we've come to call at our company, the capital S story. It's the story above all others because it answers these critical questions. Why somebody would buy from you, work for you, invest in you, partner with you. Uh, if you're building a plan or a facility, why somebody would want to be your neighbor. Right? These are critical questions that rise above the mundane uh, Susie Sweet Cheeks or Joe Blow got hired today or, or we've rolled out product number 1000 in a line of 2000. This is the very character and essence and nature, the very being of the organization, the capital S story. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference between little s, capital S? <laughs> so little s stories in the old days, Eric, I would say, it was in the newspaper today on the bottom of the birdcage tomorrow. Uh, today, it's more likely that it's in your phone uh, right now and 15 minutes later, it's in the trash. It'll be gone and you won't really remember, right? A capitalist story is the story that people remember forever about your organization because it answers for them why they would wanna engage in your organization. Again, as a customer, or a partner or an employee. This rises far above what color your logo is, what your tagline is. 
and it describes the true character and nature of the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that you had in that chapter, Paul, because um, you say it's not BS, but uh, the other thing that you said in there is we don't develop a love for a story, we're born with it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that is actually a biological fact from what you said, right? It is. And, and there's a couple of ways to look at that, Eric. You know, in your work at the Center for Victory, uh, a lot of the, the programs that you folks do and the work you do with clients, you get into brain science and, and talk about uh, flight or flight or the amygdala, etc. There's a portion of the brain that's, uh, it's not a scientific term, it's a colloquial term, the old brain. Uh, and it's it's the part of the brain that's at the very base uh, of the spinal cord, it's the brain stem. It's the one that's responsible for things like fight or flight. Scientists have learned that there are about six major inputs to the old brain and storytelling taps into every one of those. Mm. Old brain, which is most concerned with preservation of the individual as a human being, wants information that's personal, and stories are tangible. Stories have beginnings, middles, and ends that provides contrast. So the old brain tells us, you know, our ancestor might've been walking along the jungle. What's that rustling in the green leaves next to me that I see out of the corner of my eye? Is that a saber-toothed tiger or is it just the wind? And stories provide that contrast. Emotional, the old brain is driven by emotions and stories are the best stories anyway, are emotionally connecting with us. And finally, visual, the old brain is very visual. And the best stories, even in the old days, before television, when all we had as the Western society was radio dramas, a story can paint pictures in your mind, even if you don't have pictures in front of your face. That's the major reason why stories are biologically hardwired. And in this chapter, as a prime example that validates all of this, I, I have the research that was done by Dr. Yuri Hassan at, at Princeton University some years ago. It's a fascinating experiment, again, using the functional magnetic resonating uh, imaging uh, software, fMRI. Uh, they were able to put a young woman, a college student, inside one of these tubes and she told one of those it was the worst story, worst day of my life stories it was a a prom date gone bad and they recorded her sharing the story and then they also recorded her brain activity the experiment then was to take a number of people who didn't know this woman at all put them in the same machine have them listen. Anybody who's been in an MRI knows it's it's very noisy, and a lot of times they'll have you listen to music, or maybe you can watch something now, and they have small TV screens. Regardless, they put these people inside the machine, had them listen to the woman's story, and watch their brain activity. And what they discovered is, even though these people didn't know who this young woman was, their brain activity from this great story of her worst day ever mirrored the activity of her own brain, which to me proves biologically speaking that our brains are hardwired for story. And it doesn't have to just be our story, it can be the story that somebody else shares.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's just important for the company. I mean, it's important for leaders. Absolutely. What you come out of your mouth. I mean, that, I think you, you said it's something like, um, um, what was it? It's the most important communication asset. Yes. In your organization is your story. Something like that. Is that right? The story is the original mass communication technique. It requires no batteries. And as you said, it's the most important marketing asset, leadership asset, as you just said, that an organization owns. When I speak to Vistage groups, I talk about storytelling being important to CEOs for, for three reasons. Number one, because as a leader, we need to develop the perspective and understanding of why our organization is important. Number two, as you just said, in order to lead other people on a mission, whatever the organization's mission may be, to achieve a happy ending, if you will, we need to be able to share that story as a leader. So it's a leadership issue. And then third, it's it's an external consideration. So depending upon the nature of the organization, if it's a nonprofit, you got to be able to share your capital S story in a way that you can get donors and volunteers and partners. I think most often people think of it in the for-profit context, selling your products and services. But there's other audiences as well that might be important. For instance, we, we've done some work with healthcare companies and an audience that's often important, stay in pharma, are regulators. Yeah. You need to make them happy too. Tell a good story, right? Yeah, I guess one of the things as I was going over my notes again, Paul, and and why it was so important. Remember, I mean, we I, I think we started working with your company way over a decade ago. So oh, yeah. I've heard this time and time and time again, and I'm looking at my notes uh, last night in preparation for this, and I'm like, man, and it dawned on me how important it is might not be important to me because I've told that story so many times, but how important it is to other people to continue to tell it if it is that capital S and some of the stories, you know, relate to our capital S. So that was my like, aha, coming out of just looking at my notes again. Uh, I don't know if you want to speak to that or not, but repetition is important, right? Yeah, it really is. And and here's a, a cultural example of the importance of repetition. Even in preliterate societies, there was a job among the hierarchy of the society's leadership for a storyteller. So before the society planted the crops, went to war, whatever it was, there was an individual who was responsible for remembering the most important stories. Uh, some of the folks who are with us might have heard of this concept of a talking stick, right? So they've actually found, uh, anthropologists have from some of these preliterate societies, these storyteller talking sticks. And it just might've been hieroglyphics. And you know, it was handed down from one storyteller to the next, uh, the opportunity to repeat the story over and over again. So it might be over generations, you know, how did our community come to live where we do? Let me tell you the story. And it would go from generation to generation. On a more day-to-day basis, as you're suggesting, it's really important to repeat for people and remind them, especially in times of challenge or opportunity. If you're gonna head out on a new journey, 
with your organization, share the story again, remind people why they're there, help them place in their minds the importance of about of what you're about to do. And it's the same when you face a challenge, right? Certainly, so many of us have been challenged in so many ways by COVID. Great time to remember, what's our capitalist story? Why are we here? Why are we doing this? We got through bad situations before, we can do it again. Here's the story that illustrates that for our company or our organization. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Paul. I mean, I really didn't think about that too much, but yeah, that was like, that's a really good point just because you know, you, when you can go back to your why, you can reset, right? If you don't have one, it's like, th that's probably where, where many companies have, have faltered and why other ones kind of rose up. And I saw a lot of that because we worked with so many companies, you know, some fell, others that had a compelling why or a compelling story. It's like, hey, we're going to get back on this horse and do it again. Yes. Right? Yeah, and, you, uh, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something really important there. A lot of our work tracks with the work done by Simon Sinek, who's well known uh, for writing a book uh, that actually came out of a TED talk he did originally mm -hmm. called Start With Why. And you'll hear lots of people in business today are talk about the importance of having a why. I firmly believe that no business leader goes out into the world thinking they don't have a why. The issue is, and this comes back to what you said about repetition, Leaders don't share that story that explains their why often enough. And it, it's really important to remind people over and over again. You know, in our business, uh, we help our clients uncover and develop their story and then share it. That part of it is most like classic marketing. And what we tell our clients is, you'll know you've shared your story enough, you've repeated enough, when somebody comes to you and says, I'm tired of hearing much that story, right? And the truth of the matter is, the first person that, that says that to you doesn't represent the totality of whatever audience you're trying to reach, whether it's employees or customers or whatever. But that's your first sign that you're getting there. Aha, uh -huh. one person thinks we've talked about this enough, so therefore we're on the right track. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's, that's really great stuff. And uh, uh, man, I could just keep going on and on, Paul, and hopefully maybe we can just kind of have you back because I'm, I'm like ready to jump in and dissect other chapters. Uh, but oh, we man. usually we usually leave folks with kind of a, you know, a practical, hey, you know, try this yeah. kind of thing. I'm going to suggest something um and if you don't want to do it then you don't have to but what i found beneficial so just so everybody's clear here i was sitting in one of paul's presentations a few months ago and again i'm you know they've done these same things with our company for years all right but this exercise and i think it would be good because it fits in with ties in with this chapter and you've mentioned it already twice um, one of the exercises that you did that I just took tons and tons of notes from, and I have it right here, was finding your capital S story. Um, so as a takeaway, can you just walk down that one more time? How do you figure that out? Why would somebody and give us the steps and then we'll wrap it up? Absolutely, Eric. And if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll give you a link to that, that people can download it. Uh, we have that on our website, so I'll get that for people. We define the capital S story as answering potentially five fundamental questions. 
why somebody would buy from you, work for you, invest in you, partner with you, uh, maybe be your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So what you're referring to is a worksheet that when I do uh, speak at workshops, I hand out to the group of folks who are there to work through this. What, one of the reasons why we do that, Eric, is when we work with clients, we've learned as we just talked about a couple minutes ago, people think they know the story of the organization. I, I wish I could, it, you know, it's usually not appropriate, but I wish I had a camera in the room when we sit down in our very first meeting with a client to do our story crafting process, which is the trademark process we work through. And everybody sits there for a few minutes and does the worksheet. Now you got the CEO and the CFO and the vice president of sales and the vice president of marketing, and you ask them to read what they wrote down. And they're all different answers. And you know, the CEO gets frustrated because he thinks everybody should know, or she thinks everybody should know what the story is. But as we've talked about today, if not repeated it enough, the marketing person has the same sort of feeling. It's a very interesting dynamic. It's a great exercise to get a leader focused on that capital S story versus the other stories that an organization may share over the course of its history. Yeah, I mean, again, so it's been years since you've walked us through the same thing. And this time a few months ago, I mean, literally took notes again like it was the first time. I mean, it was crazy just to get back to the reminder because it, it, it it's just not in the story with your employees. It's also the story you tell prospective employees. Yes. Right? You want them to fit with that story. It's, it's who you tell your customers. It's, I mean, for us, I mean, the big aha, especially that, that I've been working on um, and you and I have shared this was just who we work with. Yes. It's huge. Like, I, it makes me frustrated when we don't work with somebody who's aligned with what we believe in in our story. It's very frustrating. Yes. I, uh, and I have you to thank for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mean to make you frustrated, but I, 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 I do hope that it helps you figure out who the right folks are to be. Well, it, it, I mean, it just opens your eyes so much. And I meant that as a, as a compliment, but, uh, you know, it's been it's been a big impact on on our business when when that comes along. It's like you know what they're not aligning. This is going to be tough. Do we want to take this on? And the answer is no because they don't align with that story. And it's that's been a good answer, and we know where the answer is coming from. So, again, uh, Paul Fariga, finding your capital S story why your story uh, drives your brand. Paul, if we could have you back on maybe in a month uh, or so, would love to have you because I mean, I've got notes out the wazoo, uh, even from reading this book again, even from what you've taken us uh, through. Is there anything else you wanna tell our, our listeners, uh, especially how to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is through the website, www.capitalsstory.com. That'll take you through to more information on the book, also more information about our company, which is called WordWrite, www.capitalsstory.com. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks again, Paul. Uh, that's all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this. I know I certainly did. Paul, we hope we have you back soon and we'll maybe dig into another chapter. 
thanks for watching, listening. Make sure you uh, leave this video a like, leave a comment down in the comment section below if there's something you want that's coming up, especially if it's questions for Paul, we'll put that link down there too. Uh, you can get in touch with us at centerforvictory.com. And uh, just remember, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, make this your best day yet. We'll see you next time.